Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And good afternoon and welcome to this edition of News in Focus. We're glad that you've joined us and Happy New Year. We head off into the new year, 2022. You can join us in reading through the Bible this year and go to our website at ohioca.org. That's ohioca.org, or just search Ohio Christian Alliance. And right at the top of the page is a click on for a Bible reading guide, and you can read through the Bible with us this year, and you can complete the entire Bible, all 66 books of the Bible. It's basically about an average of four chapters a day in both Old and New Testament. And this is a great way to start off your new year and to actually just be encouraged by God's Word. And you can do that on our website at ohioca.org. Well, this week is big doings at the U.S. Supreme Court as the vaccine mandate of the Biden administration will be heard before the U.S. Supreme Court on Friday. And uh, we're going to talk about that because this is what's called the OSHA order. Now, in this program, we've talked about the vaccine mandates. We've talked about those who cannot take the vaccine, either for personal, medical, or religious reasons. And so uh, there have been exemption issues, and it's federal law that actually provides for defense of someone's religious conviction when it comes to the vaccines. And yesterday, there was a major uh, win for those who are filing for religious exemptions in the military. A uh, U.S. federal court uh, sided with the uh, folks in the military, and they happened to be Navy SEALs, a group of Navy SEALs who appealed and with their attorneys in the courts and gave them a victory uh, pertaining to uh, their exemption by religious exemption of the COVID-19 vaccine, which, by the way, many, and don't deny, the CDC's own reporting on the VAERS website shows that many people, literally in the hundreds of thousands, have had complications from the vaccine. Some of them have been quite serious, and others, actually, there has been deaths associated with those who have taken the vaccine. Again, this is the CDC's own reporting VAERS website that uh, declares all that, and you can search that, and it's available on the Internet. We're going to talk about the U.S. Supreme Court in this case on OSHA. This would be companies with 100 employees or greater uh, by federal law would have to uh, enforce the vaccine mandate on their employees or face severe fines. Here to talk with us about it is Greg Lawson, and uh, Greg is with the Buckeye Institute uh, Research Group here in the state of Ohio and a great a resource for the people of Ohio and for the state legislature. Greg, welcome to the program. Well, thanks for having me on, Chris. It's always uh, good to be on, and Happy New Year. I hope you had a merry, very Merry Christmas and a, and a good holiday season, notwithstanding all the uh, doom and gloom headlines that seem to be uh, basically uh, raining down on us every day. Well, the, it is it is quite that way. COVID is obviously on the rise, uh, both the Delta and the Omicron variant, but it looks like the Omicron uh, is the predominant variant right now. And the good news there, maybe the silver lining, is it doesn't seem to be as severe as the other variants were. 
and so people are having lighter cases of COVID, and maybe we're heading towards herd immunity in the new year. We certainly all hope and pray for that. Well, listen, let me read from the press release from the Buckeye Institute, files brief requesting U.S. Supreme Court to immediately stay OSHA's vaccine mandate. On Monday, the Buckeye Institute filed its reply brief in the Supreme Court of the United States outlining why an emergency stay is urgently needed in Buckeye's OSHA vaccine mandate case, Phillips v. OSHA. Oral arguments before the U.S. Supreme Court on the question of an emergency stay of the vaccine mandate are set for Friday, January 7th. That's this week. The Buckeye Institute uh, clients have clearly demonstrated that they will suffer irreparable and immediate economic harm if the OSHA vaccine mandate is allowed to be enforced. Robert Ald, uh, he is the president of the Buckeye Institute, stated uh, that a lead, um, that Phillips Manufacturing and Tower Company and Sixarp LLC against the Occupational Safety and Health Administration's OSHA vaccine mandate, uh, if the court does not immediately uh, halt the vaccine mandate's implementation, these companies will be compelled to comply with this unlawful requirement and forced to implement excessive policies and practices that will threaten their businesses, expose them to penalties for noncompliance, and cost them qualified, well-trained, good employees at a time when they are already suffering a labor shortage. Now, of course, this lawsuit that the Institute has filed, uh, this amicus brief, is it amicus brief or an actual case? Actually, it's an actual, uh, it's an actual case, and so it's a little complicated. So there's a number of cases. We were actually in this Phillips tube case and the Six Harp case. The Buckeye Institute was one of the very first, in fact, I think we might have even been the very first, uh, to file cases in the Sixth Circuit. There have been cases against the OSHA mandate around the country and in different uh, circuit courts. But we were the first in the Sixth Circuit, where, of course, Ohio is a part of that. And so we've been moving this up the food chain. In fact, uh, you know, the Sixth Circuit initially put a stay on the OSHA mandate and then uh, while waiting to hear uh, arguments. And eventually they, they heard some arguments. Uh, there was kind of a, some complicated legal issues or some unique things that happened because the nature of how this rule was put into effect uh, is a non-traditional way of doing things, even by Washington standards. So there was some uh, very technical legal issues that had to work its way through. But at the end of the day, uh, a panel heard this and um, they actually went ahead and let it go forth again, which is why it goes into effect technically uh, on January 10th, absent action by the U.S. Supreme Court, which is obviously why we're filing this. Our case is now part of multiple cases that have come up through the system. So we actually are part technically of the, uh, of the, of the cases that are going to be heard by the Supreme Court on Friday. Now, uh, as it turns out, those that will be actually arguing the case is uh, a former solicitor general from the state of Texas. I believe he's representing the National Federation of Independent Business. And actually, the Ohio Solicitor General, uh, who works uh, with the Attorney General Dave Yost, his name is Ben Flowers, and basically they work and do all the appeals work for uh, Ohio. So actually, Ohio is going to play a very prominent role uh, because he's going to be one of two lawyers arguing to enjoin OSHA from being able to implement that rule. Uh, obviously, we think that there's uh, many, many reasons. You uh, kind of recounted a lot of those as it pertains to our specific client. But of course, it's not just about them. It's about all kinds of businesses. Uh, and there's a whole host of problems with this. 
most effectively is the fact that OSHA doesn't have the right to be able to do this. It doesn't have the constitutional standing to do it. And in fact, when you look at the uh, what the, the law that created OSHA, the, the Congressional Act that did it, so the federal law, there's limitations to what OSHA can do. And what the Biden administration is doing is not just stretching what the federal law allows OSHA to do, but it's absolutely ignoring it and saying it can act in any way. And it's so bad that Biden's own chief of staff, Ron Klain, retweeted a reporter who basically came out and said, hey, this is a clever way for that to basically do an end around and let the federal government put a nationwide mandate because the federal government doesn't have that right under the Constitution. It just doesn't. But by doing it this way and using the power of OSHA, they're saying that it's for workplace safety, which is what OSHA is supposed to be able to do. But in effect, they even admit themselves, that's not really what this is about. This is about societal change. This is about upping the vaccination rate. This isn't about individual business place safety. It's about vaccination rate writ large. Clearly, they're outstepping what they are legally allowed to do. Now, that's all the wonky legal side of it. But at the end of the day, what this means is trying to force people to do something that should be a voluntary choice, one. And two, it's going to exacerbate. If we, you're worried about all the supply chain problems that are going on right now, it's not going to help when you've got thousands upon thousands of employees leaving over this. Phillips Tube obviously did a, did a survey of their employees. They'd lose a good chunk of their employees, which would put them on their back in terms of what they would be able to do. But this applies across the board. And as we know, too, you know, uh, there's another case, actually, that may also be heard Friday that deals with healthcare workers. And so, uh, you know, that's another issue that's out there with this whole thing. At the end of the day, the federal government shouldn't be doing this, whether it's through OSHA, whether it's through the Department of Health and Human Services and, and stuff like that. They shouldn't be doing it. The Supreme Court needs to step in and scale this back. Now, to be very clear, what is likely to happen and what we are certainly hopeful for is that the Supreme Court will say, you can't do this beginning next week, which they'll be interested to see when they issue the ruling. Will they issue the ruling on Friday after hearing the arguments? That's probably too quick a turnaround, but you never know. This is obviously a very time-sensitive issue. Maybe it happens over the weekend. Maybe it happens first thing Monday morning. Maybe it happens Tuesday. We're not sure. You know, it's, a, it's difficult to know exactly when the ruling is going to happen, but clearly the ruling has to happen quickly because the deadline is literally next week, the beginning of next week. It, it, uh, is, in, it is indeed, and there are many people, obviously millions, that are watching this now as you know, Greg, our organization helped people all through the late summer and into fall uh, for religious exemptions. And no one was really reaching out to them to provide information. In fact, we basically came upon it because it became a very personal issue for our family. As my wife was faced with a vaccine mandate at her uh, medical facility, being a nurse of 22 years, working through COVID last year, and... Um, choosing not to, and she has her right uh, not to take the vaccine and for religious purposes, filed a religious exemption. And thankfully, her uh, hospital accepted not only hers, but the other 24 members in her smaller hospital. And then uh, the larger hospital provided over 600 exemptions, both religious and medical exemptions. Now we know that uh, across the state, we were able to conduct meetings. And these were people that were determined, who basically worked for companies across the state, um, and we 
held these meetings. These folks came. We provided basic information. We worked with Liberty Council and Matt Staver and his group who are doing this nationally. And federal law of Title VII of the 1964 Civil Rights Code basically provides for religious protection under the law. And yesterday, again, as I referenced, the U.S. Department of Defense uh, basically was not granting any religious exemptions uh, from the COVID-19 vaccine, being pressured again by the administration, the Biden administration. But here comes a federal judge uh, who basically uh, provided the relief that they needed in putting a stay. So uh, Liberty First Liberty Institute was the legal organization uh, that basically defended their rights and forcing service members to choose between their faith and serving their country is abhorrent to the Constitution American values, said Mike Berry, the Institute's general counsel, said in a written statement. Pentagon officials could not immediately be reached for comment uh, by the Reuters uh, news agency on Monday. The ruling marks the latest salvo in a string of legal fights over COVID-19 vaccine mandates ordered by President Biden that have proven deeply controversial among conservatives. But here's the point (laughs) of conservatives. Hey, there's a lot of liberals that are in this batch, too, who do not want to take it. It's really not political, and that's what I think is a misnomer here. These are basically Americans. It doesn't matter your political stripe. You're talking about your individual right of conscience, and you're also talking about does the government have a right to tell me what I in, in, inject into my body and force the issue? And it's constitutionally, well, and, and, we can see that that's not the case. I, I think you are completely right. And that's why this is such an important outcome, what the Supreme Court does. Now, if what they're going to do is rule on the stay, hopefully they will do issue the stay early next week, which would prevent OSHA from being able to implement the mandate. Now, the in, this doesn't actually solve the whole problem. It is definitely essential. But what will then happen is this is going to go back to lower-level courts in multiple circuits. You're going to get splits across the country, which is what will always happen. Some of the you know, more liberal circuits are probably going to find that, the, that they can do it. And, of course, some of the more, uh, I think, constitutionally sound, I'm not even going to say conservative, I think constitutionally sound uh, jurisdictions are going to say, no, you can't do it which is the correct thing to do. And this is going to percolate back up to the Supreme Court again, actually. And that will be what the final decision is about their right to be able to do this. So this is about the stay on Friday. It's not the whole enchilada, so to speak, but it is absolutely critical because if you don't get a stay, well, the cases are still going to percolate back up to court. But unfortunately, if without a stay, the mandate would be effective until uh, the court makes the broader ruling. So that's why what the stakes are so important on Friday. It's why the Buckeye Institute, our clients in mind, and why a lot of other folks, why Attorney General uh, Dave Yost here in Ohio is one of the leaders on this. It's why our Solicitor General is actually going to be one of the folks giving, one of the two lawyers giving oral arguments on Friday. This is a big deal. Uh, critically important because, as you mentioned, this whole thing comes out. What does the federal government have the right to be able to do? We've decided in Ohio through state legislative action, it took a while, but the state legislature acted to put guardrails on what can happen at the state level. But now the feds are trying to circumvent what the state has done and come in and do it. That's not right. That's wrong. And it's going to have not only is it morally wrong, constitutionally wrong, it's going to have all kinds of economic uh, problems. And, you know, we've got inflation, we've got supply chain disruptions. It's going to get worse. This is bad on so many levels. 
Well, and there are three different levels right now because the administration has found, and so let's go back to the speech that President Biden gave nationally a couple months ago when he said, uh, we have patience, but our patience is running out. First of all, for a, a dictate president to say that is unbelievable. Our patience is running out. What is that? You're threatening the American people? And essentially he was. So what did they do? So people waited for the days and a couple weeks as to what they might do. And as you said, circumventing using OSHA to implement um, the vaccine mandate on companies with 100 employees or greater. Then comes the federal contractor's mandate. That means anybody yeah. contracted with the federal government uh, would have to initiate a vaccine mandate in their business. Then comes the CMS order. This is the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services. This is how most hospitals and medical clinics receive reimbursement for services. And this is uh, basically Medicare and Medicaid monies that uh, hospitals and medical clinics receive. And if you receive those dollars in reimbursement from the federal government, you must enact a, a vaccine mandate. The last man standing was the Cleveland Clinic and University Hospitals. Now, the Cleveland Clinic, internationally renowned Cleveland Clinic, were saying, if you have natural immunity, you don't need the vaccine. We're not going to enforce a vaccine mandate. They said this uh, early, uh, late summer, early fall. So we're not going to enact a vaccine mandate and lose health care workers at a time we're going to need them most meaning during an upsurge of, uh, of a reinfection time, and that's exactly what we're in right now. Numbers are up. What happened? Uh, they, they held the line, held the line, until they were personally threatened by the HHS director. And this is amazing uh, to me, Greg, how this has gone uh, you know, uh, amiss from some of our uh, representatives in, in uh, both federal and state government that these threats were coming from the federal government and agencies to our hospitals in our state, and basically they had to comply. But then comes a federal judge's order, uh, order, judge's order that put a stay on it, a national stay. God bless him. And that was one of the um, suits that uh, State Attorney General Dave Yost signed on to, and thankfully, therefore, it, it moved up into the court. But then the Biden administration found a willing, complicit court to appeal it again, and that's why we're before the SCOTUS this Friday. But here it comes, where you have this kind of uh, draconian law, an order coming down from the administration on this vaccine, who many can see there's breakthrough cases across the country. That, that, that's without question. Every day, a celebrity, I mean, Whoopi Goldberg just tested positive. She's been vaccinated. She's been boosted. How many people have been vaccinated, been boosted, and they're getting COVID? And many of them, and again, the numbers in the hospitals, according to reports, are rivaling. Uh, the vaccinated and unvaccinated. So it's really indifferent at this point whether you're vaccinated or unvaccinated, whether you're going to get COVID or not. Now, thankfully, as we talked about earlier, that if it's the Omicron uh, variant, it seems to be weaker. We may be heading out of this whole thing and get there through herd immunity. That's all we, what we all hope and pray for. But the fact is, this kind, uh, the, the federal government and the Biden administration, because of control, they're not letting up one iota. Your thoughts? Well, this gets to a real big problem we've got in this country that is, certainly this is an example of it, but it's a much broader issue. When you have that much money that comes out of Washington, D.C., when essentially the Federal Reserve print money, buy debt, do all these kind of things, and have no limitation on what they can spend, states uh, become addicted to that money, hospital systems and healthcare providers become addicted to that money. Thus, he who controls the purse can make the call the shots. And that is what we're seeing 
And, you know, we've talked about this for years, going back to Medicaid expansion here in Ohio, which we disagreed with at the time strongly. Uh, this is how you lose federalism. One of the great things of our country is the ability of states to be able to act in their own uh, benefit and have their own sovereignty. And we are losing that. I mean, this whole line is constantly being blurred. And that's, again, why I think the ultimate outcome of these cases, all of these cases, the OSHA one is the one that's going to impact the largest number of people, but also the issue with CMS that you were talking about, uh, obviously the cases regarding religious liberty uh, as well, and the ability to uh, get the exemptions that way. All of these are important for being able to put the government back into a box. But if we don't get real about how the federal government spends, they're going to have this control. And the problem you're going to see is companies, hospitals, healthcare providers, everybody, eventually is just going to acquiesce to this, and we're going to lose what federalism is. And that's, that is one of the things that you're seeing here, and that is one of the long-term challenges that we have. we got to get through this short-term thing. Don't want to get too, you know, a 30,000-foot view, but there's a lot of threats out there. We got to get this thing taken care of today because if we don't, if that stay doesn't happen, then I think you're going to see a lot of chaos. Uh, you're going to see a lot more chaos. The, the, the Biden administration may try to tell you that this is the way that we're going to solve chaos. They're doing the exact opposite. They're going to induce chaos in this country if they're able to have that go through. So we need to win this case. We're proud to be part of, uh, of an effort to try to do the right thing to stop the federal government from overstepping itself. Obviously, there's a lot of others that are engaged in this fight as well. And uh, we're all kind of waiting, in a sense, in bated breath. But, you know, I'll come back and we'll chat again in the future about how do we continue to try to trim back the sales of the federal government. Because whether it's Biden, whether it's Kamala Harris, whether it's somebody else in the future, if that doesn't happen, we're going to be having this battle every single year over something. We're talking with uh, Greg Lawson of the Buckeye Institute to visit their website and see the fine work that they're doing. Go to BuckeyeInstitute.org. That's BuckeyeInstitute.org. Well, Greg, again, we'll all be watching the court on Friday. And then, of course, as you said, something has to come down pretty quickly from the court because on the 11th, that mandate goes into effect. And as it is currently, uh, if 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 the court doesn't make a decision, that will go into effect on Tuesday of next week. Is that not right? Yeah, it'll go into effect, and and that's and that's the challenge. It's a it's, it's a disaster waiting to happen. The court's going to have to act fast. Again, we're uh, talking about the uh, uh, OSHA order of the vaccine mandate that the Biden administration has ordered, and this is the OSHA case before the U.S. Supreme Court will be heard on Friday, January seventh. Uh, but the uh, the mandate goes into effect on the eleventh next Tuesday. So buckle up. Here we go. <laughs> Early in the new year. Uh, real quick, we got a couple of minutes left. Greg, what else is the Buckeye Institute working on right now? Well, there, there's some, uh, we'll have to talk about this, but there's going to be litigation coming down the pike uh, that's going to try to take away vouchers in Ohio, which uh, that, that just happened uh, on, uh, on Tuesday of this week. Uh, so that's something that we're going to fight hard on because parents deserve choice, especially in this environment, more so perhaps than ever before. Uh, that's a big thing. Lots of tax cases, lots of regulation stuff at the state house. Okay. So there's a lot of well, things going on in addition to this. Well, all right. Well, we'll have you back on to talk about that. That's for sure. Well, stay tuned. On the other side, we're going to listen to Max Miller as he's been subpoenaed to testify before the January 6th commission. You don't want to miss this interview. 
That's coming up next. Thanks for being with us. Greg, we'll talk to you soon. God bless you. God bless you. Thanks. Thank you. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. And the soldiers who stormed the beaches of Normandy and the Allied liberation of Europe. On D-Day, all those warriors set out on their mission. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt led our nation in prayer. The D-Day Prayer Project is an effort to add FDR's D-Day Prayer in its entirety at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. This wonderful historical presidential prayer will be a lasting tribute to our World War II veterans. If you'd like to make a contribution towards the effort of adding this prayer to the memorial, go to the website at ddayprayerproject.org. That's ddayprayerproject.org. I'm Johnette Cruz, and I'm a busy mom. Then a friend told me about TrustBlueReview.com, a new website powered by the Christian Blue Network. She uses it to find trusted Christian-owned businesses. I checked it out, read the helpful reviews, and found a great family dentist. Now I use TrustBlueReview for all my family's needs. For peace of mind, do what I did. Visit TrustBlueReview.com or download their free mobile app from your app store today. The trusted source for all you do. Trust Blue Will my kids like this dentist? Can I trust this mechanic? Who's a good choice for my upcoming remodel? I found businesses I can trust from TrustBlueReview.com. This company rebuilt our deck and renovated our bathroom. I'd highly recommend them to anyone looking to hire an honest contractor. The best dentist experience I've ever had. It's now easy to find trusted businesses in my community that have the same Christian values as my family. It all starts at TrustBlueReview.com or download their app in the App Store today. The trusted source for all you do. Trust the following is a previously aired broadcast. Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And good afternoon and welcome to this edition of News in Focus. We're glad that you've joined us uh, here in these waning days of 2021 as we are about to enter into the new year of 2022. And it's going to be a big year, of course, politically, as, of course, congressional races across the country, uh, Senate seats are up, and there's a political shift that's in the wind. And so it's going to be a very important year. Buckle up. It's going to be a very interesting 2022. The Ohio Christian Alliance will be busy with uh, surveying candidates, uh, presenting candidate forums. Uh, We'll have voter registration efforts, of course. Uh, Our voter guide will be out there for both the primary and the general election so that you can uh, become familiar with these candidates and make an informed decision of who to support. Uh, both in the primary and in the general election of 2022. Well, we are about to approach an anniversary that most of us really don't look forward to, and it's called January 6th. And last year on January 6th, when Congress was uh, considering the election returns, as they were reported by the states on Capitol Hill, there was a rally. President Trump held a rally in Washington, and many Ohioans went to that rally, 
and the president gave some final thoughts about the election and his term in office and uh, all that he had accomplished. And uh, it was just basically a time of farewell speech by the president for the most part. Uh, but yet it would still be determined, as there was some questions about the 2020 election, and Congress does have the right to uh, order an audit of the election if there was questions, and there were questions in a number of states, and we've now seen where the states themselves have moved forward with election reform, with audits in Arizona and Michigan, in uh, Wisconsin, and a number of states, uh, Georgia, of course, holding uh, reviews and audits and investigation of what might have happened in nefarious ways during the election. And actually, there's some people that are facing charges of election and voter fraud charges across the country. So there, it wasn't without merit. Yet, was it enough to overturn the 2020 election? That will always be a question. But nevertheless, we move on. Uh, President uh, Biden was sworn into office uh later that month but on january 6th that's when it was going to be heard before congress well what happened well the president held a rally and uh then there were those who went up to capitol hill and it can only be described as a riotous scene before the u.s capitol we're not going to play audio of that nor review all of january 6th and what happened we can tell you that there were bad actors that were involved without without any question. Uh, it has been known and it was identified that members of Antifa uh, were involved in the crowds that day. They had actually planned for a, an attack on the Capitol separate from those who attended the Trump rally. Uh, members of the Black Lives Matter were there and identified and later charged in Antifa. And certainly uh, people had come there as supporters of President Trump went to Capitol Hill as well. And uh, there was uh, obviously laws that were broken of uh, trespassing and some damage to the Capitol building. Uh, but the uh, what happened to some of the people that had died that day, uh, some, one man died of a heart attack. He was an older man. Uh, one police officer later was determined died of natural causes. Uh, but the one shot that was fired that day was from a Capitol Hill police officer, uh, Ashley Babbitt was shot. She was unarmed. She was in the Capitol building, and that still remains under investigation by some uh, members of her family want to know exactly what happened, why lethal force was used, why her life was taken when she, had, uh, she was unarmed and was shot by a Capitol Hill police officer. He was exonerated by the internal review uh, by the Capitol Hill police and the FBI and others but there may be civil lawsuits that will pursue that Ashley Babbitt's family still wants answers. So obviously a very bad and dark day of January 6th of last year. And many Ohioans who certainly just went to the rally to show their support for President Trump uh, and then just came home, later got knocks on their door by the FBI. Never in their lives did they think that they would get a call from or be knocked on the door by the FBI asking them why they were in Washington that simply went to a political rally and was uh, exercising their First Amendment right, and uh, it sent chills throughout the community. And I actually know people that I've talked to who went to Washington, went to the rally, then went home. They didn't go up to Capitol Hill. They weren't part of what happened with the melee in front of the Capitol or in the building, and yet they got calls 
and uh, investigation from the FBI. Uh, we're going to be talking to a gentleman on the phone who is a candidate uh, for Congress in the new uh, election year. It looks like it's going to be the 13th congressional district. The maps have yet to be determined, but it will be what is essentially the old 16th congressional district. He was and is supported by President Trump, endorsed by President Trump. He served in the Trump administration from 2016 to 2020, and we're talking about Max Miller, a Northeast Ohio uh, resident and also a, a senior advisor to President Trump and served with honor and distinction from 2016 to 2020 and worked in the advance teams of the president's uh, negotiations with North, North Korea and with trips to Israel and to Japan. Uh, he was a very vital uh, member of the Trump administration, and recently he has a story to tell because he was served a subpoena by the January 6th Commission, and federal marshals came to his door. Without any further ado, let's talk to Max Miller. Max, welcome to the program. Thank you, Chris. Thank you for having me. It's good to be back on. Well, thank you, uh, friend. Uh, you know, I want to say that it was shocking to me that one of our advisors to our committee said he was at a recent meeting just a few weeks ago, and I wasn't aware of this. And he said Max Miller got up and he started talking about how either the FBI or the federal marshals had come to his door about January 6th. I said, you're kidding me. He's a senior advisor to the president. Uh, why would they be coming and talking to him? So I was shocked and stunned. Tell us, uh, the listeners, what exactly is going on here, Max? So I'm going to start from the beginning, and then I'll get up to where you were, and that was at uh, McFan out in Medina. But so I received a FedEx envelope in the mail uh, about three weeks ago. I didn't know what it was. It said Verizon on it. I, you know, I have Verizon phone. Maybe I was late on my bill. I never am. I mean, you know, things like that. But I open it up, and immediately it says subpoena. And I, you know, I'm, so I start reading. And so the January 6th Select Committee went ahead and they subpoenaed my personal phone records. No one notified me, not Verizon, not anyone from the committee. I mean, what I'm talking about is extreme federal overreach. This subpoena that they gave to Verizon to encroach on my personal history, that's not work-related, um, you know, it's not limited in scope. They can look at whatever they would like. And to me, this just seems like targeting to the T. I mean, they're not really looking for anything that I did on January 6th. They're looking to see who I'm interacting with or who I'm doing business with right now to try to impact me as an individual. That's what this whole thing's about. But that happened about three weeks ago. And then about a week and a half after that, you know, I, I, I'm hearing from people in D.C. that, you know, I'm getting a subpoena. But I, I haven't, ha you know, no one's coming to my door. I haven't received a phone call. So what happens is, you know, um, I received an email um, and, you know, that was it. And then all of a sudden, two U.S. Marshals, two days later, show up to my door. Now, I wasn't home at the time. My fiance was. And she called me and, you know, she said there are people hanging on the front door. And I just said, sweetie, I said, they can't come in. They don't have a warrant. I'm sure one of them will call me. And 10 minutes later, a woman called me and she said, Mr. Miller, you know, this is so-and-so from the U.S. Marshals. I'm here, uh, you know, to serve you, essentially. And I just said, ma'am, I'm not at my house. I was like, so if we could reschedule that, you know, that would be phenomenal. Um, and to give this individual credit and U.S. Marshals credit, look, they're great people. They, you know, they're, they're assigned to do this. They really don't want to do this. She rescheduled with me and I met her on that following Monday and then she handed me the subpoena. 
But it's the simple fact that no one notified me about any of this, uh, of any wrong, of anything. I haven't done anything wrong. The subpoena actually is online if anyone would like to take a look at it. And I encourage individuals to take a look at it because, and I can't get into specifics about this, but what's on the subpoena, they're questioning me about a stage placement, Chris. That, you know, they're saying that is a part of an insurrection, right? They, they just, they want to talk to me. And, and they've said a stage placement, you know, is a big deal. And then they've also talked to me about a few other things, but that's the type of stuff that we're stage, dealing with. So let me ask you a question. Stage placement, are you talking about where you were positioned on the stage of the rally across from the Oval of the White House on January 6th when President Trump was addressing the crowds that came? Um, is that what they're referring to? Yes, that is one of the things that is on the subpoena. Whether the stage was dead center, you know, right out there on the White House, or it was off center, ten or fifteen feet. But that's what they, you know, that's one of the things that's in a federal subpoena by an unconstitutional committee that I received. I mean, it really is. It's disgusting. And the scary thing is, this can happen to anybody. I mean, Donald Trump was right. President Trump was right. He was the only thing standing in their way to get to us. And now I'm experiencing it, and I truly believe I'm being politically persecuted. I mean, look, what we were able to do on this campaign in six months is, you know, with the, the people of this district, and all credit goes to them, they pushed out Anthony Gonzalez, right? I mean, I just happen to be one of the benefactors in the race you know, that received that. But, you know, it's a simple fact that this is political persecution. The establishment doesn't like me. The left obviously wants to see me fall with a Trump endorsement and me fighting back against the committee and the fake news media. I, I truly believe this, this has nothing to do with January 6th. I mean, they've subpoenaed two individuals who I'm very close with, their bank accounts. Why? They weren't spending any money on, on the 6th, to my knowledge. It's just, you know, they want to see maybe who they're getting paid from. I mean, but it's just disgusting. And, you know, they're weaponizing a legislative branch which can't inflict pain constitutionally on an individual. Um, you know, I mean, there are so many things about this committee that no one is talking about. I mean, Mark Meadows, God bless him, I love Chief. I mean, he brought up a really good point in his lawsuit. Uh, I mean, basically saying uh, it's House Resolution, I believe, 503, that there has to be 13 members, but five have to be appointed by the minority leader. We don't have that here, which makes this committee unconstitutional. Yet, you know, the Democrats continue to go along with this charade because it inflicts pain. But I don't think the Democrats understand that they truly are digging their own grave in terms of elections for next cycle and cycles to follow if they keep this up. Because I can guarantee you, once we take control of Congress, I'm going to be excited and thrilled and enthralled when I get to take my turn in questioning Nancy Pelosi and the chief of the Capitol Police Department and Christopher Wray, who I believe has already come back and said that this was not an insurrection but a riot. I mean, I want to know where the dereliction of duty falls on their end, because that will tell us what actually happened. Because I do believe they had more of a hand in what happened on that day than anybody. Almighty God, 
our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. And the soldiers who stormed the beaches of Normandy and the Allied liberation of Europe. On D-Day, all those warriors set out on their mission. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt led our nation in prayer. The D-Day Prayer Project is an effort to add FDR's D-Day Prayer in its entirety at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. This wonderful historical presidential prayer will be a lasting tribute to our World War II veterans. If you'd like to make a contribution towards the effort of adding this prayer to the memorial, go to the website at ddayprayerproject.org. That's ddayprayerproject.org. Will my kids like this dentist? Can I trust this mechanic? Who's a good choice for my upcoming remodel? I found businesses I can trust from TrustBlueReview.com. This company rebuilt our deck and renovated our bathroom. I'd highly recommend them to anyone looking to hire an honest contractor. The best dentist experience I've ever had. It's now easy to find trusted businesses in my community that have the same Christian values as my family. It all starts at TrustBlueReview.com or download their app in the App Store today. The trusted source for all you do. Trust Blue we're talking with Max Miller. He is a candidate for Congress uh, in the 13th Congressional District. Uh, the district maps have yet to be released, uh, but for all intents and purposes, it will be the 13th Congressional District. And he's been endorsed by President Trump. Uh, and, of course, he served with President Trump with distinction as a senior advisor from 2016 to 2020. Now, let's go back to January 6th um, and that day on the platform when the president gave the speech. And again, he was just encouraging. He was going over the review of the accomplishments of his administration. He was talking to the crowd. Certainly, the president had some questions about uh, the election. I mean, <laughs> think about it. Hillary Clinton still has questions about the 2016 election. Uh, she She's still whining about that. Uh, so, you know, President Trump has every right to have some questions, and, and for, do, for good reason, because... There are people back in the states of Georgia and Pennsylvania and Michigan and Wisconsin and Arizona and Nevada. They have questions about the election in their states as well, and they're moving forward with election reform. Uh, even here in Ohio that the president won uh, handedly, uh, we are constantly working on election integrity in the state. That's what part of what our organization does. Uh, we want everybody to be able to vote. We want free and access to, to elections, but we don't. When someone cheats and there's fraudulent voting, they're actually cheating my vote. I have one, There's one vote, one man, one woman. Uh, and when somebody's voting multiple times and putting in multiple ballots, they're cheating the system. But And then if you get into the issue about uh, election fraud, and again, there seems to be some indication of that, ongoing investigation in some of the states, and the states will handle that. But obviously, all that said, uh, standing on the platform of 20, uh, in January 6th of 2020, it was just basically pretty much a farewell speech. In fact, let's talk about your uh, timetable that day, Max, because uh, somewhere in the middle of the speech or towards the end, uh, you had turned to your chief of staff, Mark Meadows, and basically asked, excused yourself because it was pretty much wrapping up and you were going to go back to the office and you got to think about what your next turn of employment is because you know that your employment's over with the with the administration. There's only a number of days left in the administration. So take us back to that moment on the 
uh, platform and what your thoughts were at that time and what happened. Well, <clears throat> unfortunately, um, I, Chris, I can't get into specifics because I haven't had my deposition yet um, in terms of the general public on this call. Uh, okay. So I, I, I apologize. I, I just if I would if I would have had my deposition already, I, I would talk about it in in, in great detail. Uh, the only reason is just because I have not yet had my deposition. So okay, but all right, fair uh, enough. Yeah, we won't get into that, specifics but I, there, but you know I appreciate you coming on I, the program to talk about this. So let's talk. Tell us what we can talk about in regards to. Obviously, this is an affront. This is an offense. Can we talk about? Uh, executive privilege. For instance, historically, President Obama granted his executive privilege to a number of people in his administration, of which was honored uh, by Congress and by the Trump administration to not violate the executive privilege of Mr. Obama. Is that correct? Absolutely, that is correct. And he's invoked it a number of times. And I've told many people this, that if President Trump was still president right now, and there was an active investigation under Barack Obama. And President Trump said, you know what, Barack? Screw your executive privilege. I'm going to take it away from you. People would be rioting in the streets right now as we speak in every major city across this country. And it just That is a fact. There, there's no other way to get around it. And what they're doing right now in terms of Mark Meadows is a perfect example. Why? Because he was the senior executive to the president of the United States which means that that man has been in the room for more conversations when it comes to national security and a threat assessment and foreign policy and the economy and everything all encompassing that he knows, right? And they want to take that away from him. I mean, the man complied with the committee. He did everything they asked him to do, except he held his ground and he would not comply when it came to executive privilege. And that is how it should be done. And the committee should have respected that. Now, instead, what they did is they held him in contempt and they convicted him of it, which is a shame because Mark Meadows is a great man. And I'm, you know, I'm not saying this to, to create fear, but I mean, if people are listening to this, you have to understand they really are going to come after every individual in this country that I do believe at some point. I mean, they are starting at the top, but they are working their way down rapidly. And it is happening all across. I mean, you just have regular civilians who are there on that day who didn't even go to the Capitol. Now the FBI, as you said, are showing up to their front door. Yet they were just there outside. I mean, for the in- so you know, for the- but you know, I do want to say, look, for the individuals that did go into the Capitol and actually steal something, like I, I think it's hysterical that someone took Nancy Pelosi's podium. I, I, I mean, I'm I'm going to be as transparent as possible. I think everyone got a good laugh out of that. But unfortunately, you, you can't steal things. So, you know, there, people still need to be held accountable um, if you actually did those well, things. Well, that's the right. They're, tras- they're trespassing violations. You know, if someone committed damage that day, th- those people ought to be, you know, face the justice system. And, you know, and of course, be prosecuted. And, and those things are happening. Although, those people that are still in prison, basically in a D.C. jail, all this time, almost a year later, and they haven't even had a trial oh. yet, so due process has been uh, thwarted with those people that have been in prison since Chris, January 6th. Chris, there, there is no more due process in this country. There is no more due process in the media. There is no more due process when it comes to being, a, you know, if, if you're a Republican. They bring you straight to the gauntlet. They always assume the worst. 
That is where the media and the left have gone in this country. It's just a simple fact that they just cut you right off. Uh, and those individuals who have been who are being politically persecuted, that are in prison, there's an the only one that I really see fighting for them. Uh, I mean, hard is we've got Congressman Jim Banks and uh, Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene, and she's been very vocal about it. And you know, maybe she makes people uncomfortable, but man, is she a fighter? I, I mean, she really is fighting for us. And it feels good to know that because a lot of people in the Republican Party are too weak to stand up for any, anyone who got a subpoena by the January 6th committee. And my question to them is, what are you afraid of? Nothing happened on that day, you know, at least from my end and from outside entities in coordination uh, to lead to an insurrection. It's just factually inaccurate. This is just political theater. And once again, they use this and they try to squeeze as much as they can out of the orange. And they try to get as much juice. The problem for them is they got all of their juice on the first day. They literally have just been grinding on a peel for months. And they're going to drag it out as long as they possibly can. We just have to keep on fighting. And that's exactly what I'm going to do when I go there for my deposition. And it's exactly what I'm going to do after that. Because I, I don't think these individuals have an end. Well, that's right. And it's unprecedented. Again, like you said, it's a partisan hit job. This is a really, um, the Democrats, there's only two Republicans that agreed to work with them. And so they don't even have a, pro the, the, the Republicans did not get an opportunity to put their people on the committee like Jim Jordan, Ohio's own congressman. And so it's really, uh, it's a travesty of what's going on here. And so there's, this is such a partisan, one-sided political hit job that the Democrats are thrusting on the January 6th commission, this is terrible. And I thank you for fighting. And I, you know, I sense it in your spirit that you're a fighter. It's votemaxmiller.com is the website. If you want to follow Max, it's votemaxmiller.com. So you've, you've um, complied with the subpoena. You plan on uh, at least uh, testifying. Is that right, Max? That's right, because I'm going to tell them the truth. And the truth is exactly what they don't want to hear. So I'm more than happy to do it. And I just want to say really quick, Look at the Republicans on this committee. It's Liz Cheney. She's a Democrat. Adam Kinzinger. He's a Democrat. And then you've got Dan Crenshaw, who right now, he, he goes where the wind goes. So, you know, that, that's of the utmost concern um, is that this is a strictly partisan committee full of Democrats and a half Republican. I'll tell so. you, it's, it's a terrible thing that we see happening. Max, thank you for coming on the program today. And talking about this, uh, we're shocked, we're stunned, but again, other Ohioans have been approached, but you were a member, served with distinction with President Trump. I know it's going to work out, and thank you for fighting for us. We, pray, we, uh, we appreciate it, my friend. God bless you. Thank you, Chris. God bless you, and God bless everyone. And Happy New Year to you, Max, and, your, and uh, all uh, your family. Again, that's Max Miller. Mm -hmm. Candidate for Congress, the 13th Congressional District. The, the website is votemaxmiller.com. Happy New Year. You have been listening to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. 
To learn more about the issues that matter most to you and your family, visit online at ohioca.org. That's ohioca.org. Thank you for listening. This program is sponsored by the Ohio Christian Alliance of Akron, Ohio.